morning. Welcome everyone. As you are getting seated, we're going to open up today with a scripture reading out of Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, that's verses 17 to 23. And so as, as we call it up on the screen, would you read along with me? Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? We are a people who worship Jesus Christ, the risen one, and let's do that this morning. King. Rejoice.
the young and old. is the one seated on the throne, the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He is both the lion and the lamb. And let's look, we're gonna, we learned a song a few weeks ago. We're going to sing this again. Warring with power and fighting our battles, 
sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Sing it, church. Who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord sins of the world his blood breaks the chain and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb and every knee will bow before the For those that are with us for a long time, you know what I'm about to say. Why do we exist? We exist to help you take your what? Your next steps with Christ. Amen. And so if you're here today and you're a visitor and have not taken your first step with Christ, uh, we encourage you to stop and talk to us. We want to lead you through that process and help you understand what it means to follow Christ. Uh, for those that have, that have um, uh, been on the journey and are now journeying with us and not involved in a life group or d group we want to get you plugged in and discipled and discipling others so please stop and check in with us uh, either at the next steps desk out through the doors to the left or you can scan one of the qr codes on the back of the pew so i want to spend a little bit of time this morning in prayer and we're going to be praying for our value of biblical faithfulness we're going to be praying for the porters over in rotten england um and I want to say a special prayer for those who have been kind of watching the news for the, 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 the unrest that is unfolding in Israel, where Hamas has attacked Israel and Israel is now coming back. And there's been many lives lost and, and, and lots of, of pain and suffering uh, in that region. So I want to spend some time in prayer for them, um, as well as, as confession of, of where we've fallen short and, um, and thankfulness towards God for uh, where he has been faithful even though we are faithless so so please pray with me 
Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come to you as, a, uh, as a, a broken people, a needy people, a people that has been given grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy, and, and we thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, God, I pray for this church that you would keep us faithful to your word, that we would practice biblical faithfulness in all things, Lord, that we would not strain out gnats while swallowing camels, Lord, that we would not be clanging gongs, showing um, a lack of love, Lord, that we would uh, honor you both in, in uh, grace and in truth, Lord. Uh, pray, pray this week for the porters and, and their work in Rotten, Lord, that that you would uh, see to it that that the teams that are that are over there would um, would share the gospel with neighbors and and that you would see that we, we would see fruit from that work, Lord. Uh, pray for the, the interns that that they're working with, uh, Lord, that you would uh, put an excitement in them and a desire to get the gospel to uh, to the the nations around them, Lord. Uh, God, I pray for provision for that church and financial provision so that. Carl can spend more and more time in the ministry and, and, and less time uh, working to support the ministry. Uh, Lord, I pray for, for, for our world today and, and the unrest that, that exists in the world, the pain and suffering, uh, the, the, the ongoing conflict and battles in, in Ukraine and Russia. Lord, that you would heal families, that, that you would protect your people, that you would uh, see to it that your glory would be known as a result of it. And God, I pray for all the unrest in Israel, the, the attacks upon Israel, the, the response, Lord, that, that you, would, you would comfort those that have lost loved ones, Lord, that you would protect those that are going into war, that are preparing themselves for battle, Lord, that you would bring about hearing of this and seeing your works unfold. God, I confess to you this, this week as, as I've not spent time in, in the way that would honor and glorify you. I'm seek, seeking delight in meaningless things and watching countless hours of social media or YouTube scrolling, not finding my delight in the word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, forgive me of this. And help me, help me, give me a desire to dig deeper into your word daily, to meditate it on it day and night, Lord. And we thank you for giving us this word. We thank you for, for all of your provisions that you have provided for us, your son, to die for us, to live the life that we could not live, die the death that we deserve, and then bringing him back so that death would be forever defeated and that we may spend eternity with you. Lord, I pray all this in his name. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to read from Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers 
Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Amen. And we uh, who are in Christ have been associated with Jesus that died on the cross. And like uh, the song we're about to sing, the verse 2 says, The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. That's the thief beside Christ. He trusted in Christ in that moment and got to see paradise. We who are in Christ, associated with Jesus on the cross, might receive eternal life and can rejoice in the fountain that is filled with blood. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing together.
voice together. Jesus. 
You may be seated. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. We're going to the end of the chapter. Uh, or if you want to turn into the Pew Bible and follow along in the translation that I'll be reading from, it's page 1091. 1091. Today, if this is your first day visiting with us, unfortunately, you are come to the last letter uh, that Jesus sent to the churches. We have been going through those the last seven weeks, and uh, we have been challenged, been encouraged in the ways that we are faithful, but challenged in the ways we're not faithful, to be reminded that God has called us to have an enduring faithfulness uh, as the days get harder, uh, before he comes and returns to receive his children home. Today we're looking at the last of the church, and really a challenge to us, uh, uh, really to be ask ourselves are we being useful for jesus are we being useful for jesus so let me read as you read along in verse 14 to the end of the chapter write to the angel of the church in laodicea thus says the amen the faithful and true witness the originator of god's creation i know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you, to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me to the one who conquers I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the spirit says to the churches let us pray Heavenly Father this morning we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. Just as we've prayed and our hearts go out to those who are in a physical battle in the Middle East, every day, second by second, we know and acknowledge that there is warfare in our hearts. Satan wants to distract us 
lull us into lukewarmness, pull us into sin, and distract us from you. But God, we know your spirit is alive and working in our hearts to renew our minds and to change us. And Lord, so we're constantly at war. And we pray, God, knowing you are the victor, that you will give us victory in the spiritual warfare of our hearts, that we would be pleasing to you. Today, as we read this word, Lord, we admit and acknowledge that you are sovereign and for the very reason we are here in this text this morning is for everyone who is here right now and for those listening online so that we might be changed by your word. So we ask that you would do that, that we would listen and that we would obey. In Jesus' name, amen. A helicopter was flying towards Seattle and something happened with the instruments that the navigation system just went out. It just happened to be on that day in Seattle. It was one of those hazy, rainy, awful days. And so machinery was out, visually was out. The pilot didn't really know how he was going to determine where he was and how he was going to get to where he was supposed to be. And so he saw a large high-rise office building and he thought his plan was he would just come right up as close as he could and try to communicate with those inside and that's what he did he brought the helicopter as close and safe as possible he had some paper and in in the cockpit with him and just wrote on the paper and put it up to the people inside where am I and the people started to scramble inside and they were, you could see they were working, and they wrote in a very large piece of paper, and they put it up next to the window, and it said, you are in a helicopter. <laughs> the pilot smiled and went and landed safely at the airport. He was asked afterwards, well, how did you know, why were you at ease when you found that? He said, well, he said, I knew exactly where I was. I had to be at the Microsoft building because he said like any computer company's help staff they might be technically correct but most of the time their answers are useless <laughs> so have you ever done that have you ever gone to a forum have you ever gone and called customer service and you knew the help you needed but all they did was give you the worst answer possible useless well unfortunately as we read in this last of the letters Jesus didn't hold much back in the pattern that we've seen as brother Derek noted that there's a great cookie uh, cutter uh, the cookie uh, encouragement praise uh, concern praise well here it was all bad there was nothing really to soften the blow here unfortunately we learn that there are Christians and there are churches who are useless to King Jesus what did Jesus say here again let us be clear you might read somewhere that it's the revelation of John friends this is not the revelation 
of John. This is the revelation of Jesus through John to the church. Jesus says, you nauseate me. You make me sick. I want to vomit you out. Not exactly the words that you want to hear. Not praise. This is the glorified Christ saying this to the church at Laodicea. Jesus is saying that your spiritual condition makes me ill because I have no use for you. Well, what do we learn? Well, Laodicea was known for an affluent city and particularly had become in its self-reliance. It was a banking city. It was manufacturing clothing, especially black wool. It has known for a famous medical school with a special ointment for eyes and for ears. The wealth of the city was surpassing that it had many often drawn the, the attention of Rome that it would had to give even more taxes than other cities because of the great wealth there. They were known to have been forced by Roman soldiers to show up at their door at any time to give them uh, a place to stay and whatever they want for the night. Laodicea was particularly vulnerable to self-reliance. They had had a de devastating earthquake in AD 60 and without the help of the rest of the empire built back themselves and this all of this influence all of this affluence all this wealth had come to a place where they were self-reliant they could not see their true spiritual condition before God because they felt everything was all right they had not seen the true sense and need of the gospel to refresh or to see the appreciation of Jesus, to see their daily need for him. Lady Odyssea, Jesus calls the church to recognize that their needs were much deeper than physical ones, but a spiritual one. Their problem was not physical and economic, but spiritual. And their abundant physical and economic resources had veiled their eyes to their need for Jesus. John Stott, the great pastor, observed, perhaps none of these seven letters is more appropriate to the church at the beginning of the 21st century than this. It describes vividly the respectable, nominal, rather sentimental, skin-deep religiosity which is so widespread among us today. Brothers and sisters, I come to you as we read this letter to be reminded for me and for all of us that we all need Jesus. That because of the brokenness and sin that is embedded in all of us, we cannot go a day without Jesus. We cannot go a minute. As the song says, we need thee every hour. We know that there is nothing within us that deserves salvation. There is nothing within us that would say that we can be uh, uh, successful or good apart from the work of Jesus in us. And the reminder for us is not to ignore the need for Jesus and for living for him vibrantly in our life. Because we need to be reminded just as in Laodicea, affluence does not keep us from spiritual brokenness.
brothers and sisters, brokenness does not happen only to people without a Roth IRA. Brokenness doesn't only happen to those outside of neighborhoods who have an entranceway and a sign on the front naming where you live. Brokenness isn't refined to people across the tracks. Brokenness happens at every inch of the world in every zip code. We all need Jesus. And the one who writes Jesus to the angel of the church of Laodicea identifies himself as the amen. Amen in the Old Testament meant may it be. May it be. It is meaning final, the end. Jesus is saying what I do and all that I accomplish will, may it be, be the end. What I say will happen, may it be, it will happen. In the Old Testament, it is aligning him with Isaiah 66, 65, 16, the God of the amen. And together, the amen, what does he say? The faithful and true are not distinct, but together saying, this is Jesus who is faithful and truly aligning against the unfaithfulness of the church at Laodicea. To those of us, we must understand that Jesus, whatever he says, will be done. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we must say amen to the glory of God. Everything Jesus will, says he, has he will accomplish, he accomplishes. And to those of us who are lukewarm, this should make us shudder, but also make us sing a hallelujah. For those of us who are in lukewarmness, it should shudder because it says to Jesus, Jesus says, you are useless to me, that I will spit you out. So therefore, we must understand the need for us to not be useless for Jesus, but it should give us an opportunity to say hallelujah because if we repent, we will be set with him to rule over the world. In a time that the church was concerned about who was ruling in the empire and, and the church itself was concerned about whether, whether they would sustain or be true, Jesus is saying, if you repent, if you are zealous for me, if you will turn and trust in me, I will set you with me beside the right hand of the Father and we will reign together. Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you and me today? What he's saying is, even though you have discounted the value and necessity of living under my rule and care in the kingdom, if you will now receive my reproof and respond to my discipline, if you will be zealous to turn away from your self-sufficiency and embrace your desperate need for me, your future will be bright here and in the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, our desire at Hebron Baptist Church is to be useful for King Jesus, to bring his name and be useful here in northern Kentucky 
to the nations. I believe and know that you, as a Christian, want to be counted as useful for King Jesus. And yes, persecution, difficulty, and lack of freedom of Christians will increase, but the temptation and most of us face will be to fade back into culture, to be a spectator and not on the field. May it never be. May we be useful for Jesus. As we look at this text, let's examine three truths about useless Christians. So if you're taking notes on the bulletin or in your phone, number one, useless Christians are those whose relationship with Jesus has no impact on those around them. Useless Christians are those whose relationship with Jesus have no impact on those around them. What was the main concern that Jesus had? He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. As with every church, Jesus says, I know your condition. I know what's going on. What kind of shape you're in. They were neither cold nor hot they were lukewarm now this text has been misinterpreted for many years and many used for different ways to fire us up for Jesus right that we need to not be cold not be hot we need to be we don't need to be lukewarm we need to be somewhere on the other ends we need to get on fire for Jesus but this text refuses to see that interpretation refuses to see the place where Laodicea was the historical and geographical background of Laodicea was they were nearby to two different medicinal springs. One, Heriopolis, that bubbled a medicinal hot spring. While pure cold water came from a fountain, a Colossae. Here, both people would go, people would travel to both for its healing purposes. But in the aqueducts that would get from either place to there, that, that Laodicea was actually known for, for a chemical or sulfur water that was just lukewarm, that was good for nothing. Jesus was saying that you are lukewarm and cannot be used for any purpose. See, what he's saying is something like this, is you are providing neither, neither the healing for the spiritual sick nor refreshment for the spiritual thirsty. You are spiritually lukewarm, and I will not tolerate you. I will not do so unless you repent. I will spew you out of, your, out of my mouth, vomit you out of my mouth. You are sickly and insipid. You are flat and unsavory. You're like a coat that's hidden in the back of the refrigerator and it's lost its bubble there's nothing for you to take in you badly misrepresent the life changing power of the gospel and the refreshment that it brings you see the Laodicean church was lukewarm in the sense that it was not providing the, the healing to the spiritual sick or refreshment to the spiritual weary Friends, we see this all throughout Scripture, that God is, is defined in many different ways. In the Old Testament, what do we see? He is fire. 
that he is heat and what does that produce it produces purity is purifying his people we also see that that, that God is slow he is patient he is merciful we see that he is someone who brings refreshment just as we read those who are near the spring the tree planted near the water we see this character of God being both bringing purifying and mercifulness and healing but that is the same of the gospel when you bring the gospel things happen people turn from sin or are healed from sin that the gospel brings a a message that we are sinners and that we need to repent that we need to be purified and the only one who can do that is Jesus but also the message of Jesus is this is that you are sinner and you are faithfully loved and that if you're in your sin there is a God who sent his son who died for you and that you can be healed the gospel brings the grace and mercy of those who come to the great physician Jesus and if we are the embodiment of the gospel of Jesus that is what happens when we enter the room or we enter someone's life we we are our presence is we are bringing people and calling people from their sin or we are bringing healing to them and encouragement to them from Christ but often we stay in the background just like a wallflower and nothing happens the gospel does not come from our lives too often we are not bringing mercy or, or, or grace or healing. We're not calling people to repentance of sin. But God says, you are useless to me if you're lukewarm to the spiritual condition of people who are around you. To flip the perspective, if you're a lukewarm, Satan's not that concerned about you either. Someone said that so, Jesus, uh, sorry, Satan is not concerned with someone who lives their life and just sprinkles Jesus on top. But he is concerned of a Christian whose life is all about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, are you useful with the gospel to those around you? We cannot be in the middle. There is 30 to 50 million Amarillos who live in the United States. Approximately a quarter to half a million of them become roadkill in the southwest United States. These hapless little armadillos with all their toughness and thinking that they are okay with their tough outer exterior become what is nicknamed the hillbilly speed bump in the southwest they have found that life isn't safe in the middle of the road brothers and sisters so can be the same that we need to learn as Christians John Stott again says, if he is the son of God who became a human being, died for our sins, and was raised to life, if Christmas Day and Good Friday and Easter Day are more than just a meaningless anniversaries, then nothing 
less than our wholehearted commitment to Jesus will do. Friends, do you find your presence to be a gospel influence to those around you? Or do you hide your Christianity and play it safe? Do you, as you come into relationships, encourage people from the danger of their sin to the life-giving blood of Jesus? Do you encourage those who are battered by sin to turn to the great physician and be loved? This spirit-drawing relationship, we cannot be lukewarm. We must, in the same way, impact people with the gospel. Number two, useless Christians are those who don't see their true need for Jesus. Useless Christians are those who don't see their true need for Jesus. Verse 17, for you say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and need nothing. You don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And I advise you to buy for me gold refined in fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, and anointment, ointment to spread your eyes so that you may see. These verses indicate that the problem of lukewarmness to the church at Laodicea has come from the deceptive nature of of self-sufficiency the Laodiceans were unaware of their true condition Jesus answers to them that their false estimation of themselves their outward blessings has caused them to be blind to who they truly are the Laodiceans looked upon their favorable circumstance and saw that they had no, thought they had no need for Jesus they observed that in trusting in money, living for things or the dying world, that they, they were okay. They had what Anne Solkanov has labeled this syndrome that also may describe us here in America as affluenza. Not influenza, affluenza. She defines it in the American form is an array of psychological maladies such as isolation, boredom, passivity, and lack of motivation endangered, uh, endangered in adults, teenagers, and children who possess great wealth. The Laodiceans, like many churches in America today, have become sick of affluenza because they think they have no need for true spiritual power from Jesus. The problem was not their wealth. We see through the Bible that wealthy people can be used by Jesus. Abraham is a good example of that. The Green family of modern day and their pursuit and funding of the Museum of the Bible. The question was whether wealth is seen as the stewardship from God, used for his glory, a blessing from him, or does wealth cause us to stop thinking about Christ and his kingdom instead of musing on earthly blessing? And this was the issue in Laodicea that their self-reliance had made them prideful and thinking they have no need for Jesus but we know what God thinks of the proud don't we in 1 Peter 3 5 in the same way you are younger be subject to the elders all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble 
Jesus truly humbles the church at Laodicea in this letter. But they think that everything's fine. He gives them five marks of where they are falling short, that they are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They're wretched. They're miserable, unfortunate. A word used for the ravaged lands and, and devastated countries that are being pillaged. They are pitiful. They're object of extreme pity. They are extreme poverty, like a beggar, one who is in, uh, opposed to their, their wealth. They are being defined as someone who is bankrupt. They are blind. They, this is a dig at the city who has an ophthalmology school. They are naked, performing maybe this their black wool that they produce. Instead of this, that they are naked. There is nothing for them to display good for themselves. But Jesus says the only way to overcome these is not through wealth, not through resources, not through physical blessings, but through me. He says, come to me that you might be rich, that you would have white clothes, that you may be dressed and cover your nakedness and ointment to spread over your eyes so that you may see. Friends, this is the spiritual renewal and rebirth that happens to us as Christians, that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, not things that we do, that we are blind to the world and the darkness of our own understanding, but Jesus lets us see things how they really are. All these things happen through Jesus, not through what we have. The Lord sees and exposes the destitution and deception here in Laodicea, but, there, but he does the same thing to us, brothers and sisters. When we get high and mighty, when we get proud of ourselves, when, when we under, think that we can live life without him, Jesus humbles us. We as Christians should live constantly knowing that our self-perception is true without the absolute purity of God, which we know that we will not have anything to stand before him. That we are constantly going and assessing to our lives through the gospel itself that we need Jesus. If we do not carefully oppose the growing significance of these felt needs that we have in our life, then we will see no need for Jesus. What should we be asking ourselves? We should be asking ourselves what's shaping our thinking? Is it the world or is it the Bible? What communication do you view as non-negotiable, horizontal with other people or vertical with God? What do you trust in? Do you trust in God or money? What do you ultimately identify? Do you identify with a political party or, or some other identity? Or do you identify with the kingdom of God? Perhaps you recognize your need for the gospel and you embrace Jesus as your hope on the last day. But as you have read this, maybe you're shocked to even think of these claims. Perhaps you can't understand that Jesus would call these people wretched, pitiful, poor, and blind, and naked because it seems incomprehensible to you because you just think everything is okay. Perhaps you're the person who hasn't thought much beyond your physical life and really have never wrestled with the idea that you can have everything, but you can have nothing. 
Have you noticed that the wealthiest nation in the world, the United States, is also the nation with the most psychologists and psychotherapists in the world? If money made people happy, why is everyone so unhappy? Friends, the problem is deeper. The problem is, is we've rebelled against God and we worship ourselves and other created things. And if you lock with this, if you connect with this, Jesus could be here calling you to himself. A place that you understand that sin separates you from him, but Jesus' death pays the penalty of sin. This means everybody who trusts in Jesus can be reconciled to God. What is keeping you from being reconciled to God right now? Why are you holding back? Why are you keeping from trusting in Jesus? As we consider how Jesus counsels the church in Laodicea, I invite you to trust in Jesus right now. You can't do it on your own. You can't make things right by yourself. As Jonathan Edwards observed, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. I encourage you to trust in Christ today. And may you live, and may we live in this understanding that there is nothing we can do except for what Jesus does through us. Do you find yourself not trusting in Jesus today? Do you see yourself going through life, not turning to him in prayer, not asking for his will, seeking his will? Do you see yourself in a way living apart from Christ, not needing him? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling you to turn to him. Because number three, useless Christian, Jesus offers himself to you. There is a comma there. Useless Christian, Jesus offers himself to you. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens my opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The Christians were to stop expecting their spiritual needs to be met at the Laodicean marketplace and come and buy from Jesus. Do business with him. Earlier he said, come and buy from me gold refined from fire. Jesus is not saying that this is something that you can buy or you can get. What Jesus is saying is stop depending on this world and come to me which is free. Jesus is saying if you come to me, I love you and I'm calling you to repent and I'm calling and showing you that I can change you. This is wonderful news to us, right? Jesus says, as many as I love. Brothers and sisters, we want to be counted among those Jesus loves. 
today if you call on to him you will be that you will be loved fully by Jesus because he came and he died for you Jesus says as many as I love Jesus did love this church Jesus loved those who were faithful their sin does not quench his love but what does he do he rebukes and disciplines this is the story of what we learn about God if God loves us he disciplines us just as a father who loves his children and wants better for them disciplines them Jesus says or Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives love is never cruel but it can be tough Discipline that educates and brings about repentance and change is what the Lord is bringing to the Laodicean church. If we reject his discipline, he will spit us out. But if we receive it, this is the wonderful promise. Be zealous. Repent. Look, I stand at the door and I'm available to you. Jesus is saying that we must turn to him. We must repent. You see, turning from sin is not a one-time-in-our-lives position. We don't just repent to be saved. We are Christians who continually repent. When the Spirit reveals to us there's sin in our life, we repent and turn and agree with God and commit that sin away. But instead, we must keep repenting. A community of daily repenting sinners character characterizes healthy churches and healthy Christians Jesus promises that if we do he stands at the door to come in notice this that Jesus is not like those filthy Roman soldiers who barge in Jesus stands at the door and wants to be welcomed we believe the Bible says that God and his love cannot be denied but there is where we receive ourselves we must receive this wonderful gift from Jesus and what does he do we receive Jesus himself he dines with us and we dine with him we get Jesus we receive him we will sit and he will fellowship with us now and forever Brothers and sisters, if you are in this lukewarm state, receive Jesus. If you are in a place where you are not depending upon Jesus, he's standing at the door waiting for you to call him in. You are not too far gone. Things are not too bad. Jesus will come in. Brothers and sisters, we must repent and our wonderful loving Savior will meet us where we are. Brothers and sisters, we must be determined as Christians to not be useless. You know, a certain man was an adopted son of a princess, and the princess of a great king, the most powerful king. He knew influence as he grew up. He knew prestige, fine food, stylish clothes. He lacked for nothing. The young man grew up and was educated and cultivated. There were privileges there were opportunities, there were family expectations, 
and there were concerns of the entire realm. But he left it all because he had something greater, more valuable, something that would be enjoying forever with God, that he would not waste his life. Instead, he would be useful for God to do something great and amazing. Do you know this man? Surely you do. It's recorded even in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Brothers and sisters, may we be useful for Christ. In his book, Don't Waste Your Life, John Piper writes about a plaque that hung, hangs in his home. And it reads this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. May we be useful for him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would call us out of our lukewarm state. May we instead be useful to you. May we bring gospel remedy to those around us. May we not hide our Christianity. May we not be sullen. May we not hold back. May we trust in you to do what you say you will do, that you will work to completion in our lives. Heavenly Father, may we fight the siren call of the world and may we instead welcome you in to our hearts and to our lives that we may be useful to you God I pray that you would convict us today me first and foremost but to all of us are we being useful for Jesus if there's someone here that does not know you that understands and would even define themselves far from God, I pray today that they would see the Savior is waiting for an invitation to come in their heart. He has finished the work on the cross so that they might be saved. May that be today the day of salvation for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we respond together, we're going to sing a song written by a group of people who experienced persecution and followed Christ anyway. Would we join them in singing, I have decided to follow Jesus? Would you stand to your feet? Sing this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. 
seated. Let's watch this video together. should have seen some more head banging during that song. I think we all were resisting, I could tell. Uh, that's a good reminder for us that we can all go and do something for Jesus. We hope that you'll do so. Uh, one, of, one of our partners, or connect with us if you want to go uh, with one of the uh, different ways that the IMB uh, makes possible. Uh, it's amazing ways and avenues that you can go on mission for Jesus. A couple quick things. If you're a guest today, thank you for being here. We hope that you feel welcome. Make sure you fill that connect card either by the QR that you've seen or we can get you a paper copy at the Next Steps desk. But please make sure that's completed. Go to the Next Steps desk and there you will have a gift for you if this is your first time with us today. So please make sure that we connect with you at the Next Steps desk right after uh, the service is over. No gospel to every home today, uh, but we will be having our all-in Sunday next week, uh, the 15th. So that means we have three teams, a praying team, a child care team, and a going team. So please make plans between four and six next week to be a part of gospel to every home. Also, coming up the end of October, and it's coming very quickly, uh, there are two outreach events on the same weekend. On Friday night, we have a movie night on the lawn. We'll be showing uh, Monsters, Inc., so if you want to be a part of that, uh, uh, come, invite people with you. This is a great way to connect them to other people at church and connect them to church, but also trunk or treat. Uh, many of you signed up to do a trunk at our trunk or treat. Our goal is 
20 or more and so I think we were at 14 or 15 or somewhere around there so we need about five or six or seven or eight or ten more uh, and if you could uh, all you got to do is throw some stuff in your trunk and hand out candy uh, if you're not creative or if you're creative you can start doing all that stuff now and look online for many different opportunities if you could possibly help us out by doing a trunk uh, at the Hebron Business Association one which is at the North Point Elementary School it's on October 22nd I think it's from 2 to 4, I believe. Come see me, and we'll set you up so that you can do that. We want to promote our trunk or treat at that trunk or treat and uh, show ourselves in the community and support that. So if you can do that, please come see me. That's October 22nd. But please make sure before you leave today to sign up for a trunk. And I'll, some of you have already brought some candy. We need some candy donations. So please do that as well. Something that we've announced, uh, and we've had it on the calendar, but we're getting kind of finalized details. We have a sp spiritual warfare conference with Chuck Lawless. Chuck Lawless, our, our dear friend who's been here several times, uh, who led our mentoring conference just, I think, two years ago, maybe a little bit less than that, is coming back to do a spiritual warfare conference, something that we all think about, uh, especially good timing here around October. What are the... what? What is Satan and his demons doing? What, how can we navigate through the world and through spiritual warfare? Well, he will be here November 5th, 4 to 6 in the afternoon. He'll do two sessions on spiritual warfare. He's writ written or co-edited 10 works. Three of them are on this. He does this training in seminary for missionaries on the IMB mission field, and he's coming to Hebrew Baptist Church to do it as well. So we hope that you can come four to six on november 5th make plans we will also have child care and we will have a sign up way to do that soon so be looking for that and we have worshiped together uh, in a, many different ways through song through prayer through the reading of scripture through the preaching now we worship as we give so we know god has blessed us through giving uh, we are we send people on mission we do outreach opportunities we all do that through faithful giving of of your tithes and offerings so as we come this is not just a way to fund missions but this is a way to worship the lord and give back for what he's given us so let's give honor to him heavenly father thank you for all the ways that you provide for our needs and that you care for us but in your word and a faithful christian you tell us that we should be generous like you are generous and so lord as we are generous now may it be an offering of worship to you to show that both we are thankful for what you've given us, but you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you are Lord of everything in our lives, even our own bank account. And Lord, may this be an opportunity to show that we can rely on you and rely on what you've given us and that we can also give back to you to do your work for your kingdom. We're thankful for this opportunity to worship you through giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Church of Christ. 
Jesus is the way.